overwhelming. It was so overwhelming. Just there's such a huge learning curve. There's so many things out there. And and so by the time I make it up to the blood tender, I've got the long line behind me. I feel like I have to make a decision immediately. It's just this super pressured environment. And especially for someone who doesn't know anything about it, it's, it's crazy. From MJ Bulls Media, it's the Raising Cannabis Capital Show. Today on Raising Cannabis Capital, we are joined by Nicole Connors, CEO of Saku Cannabis. Nicole, welcome to MJ Bulls Podcast. Thanks for having me on. This is really cool. We've been talking a little bit before we went on, but this project that you're involved in is going to be is so exciting. But before we jump into that, let's just talk about a little bit about your past. I mean, it's crazy, but you're essentially a you're a cannabis pioneer because you've been in it since since Washington State went legal. Yes. So uh, Washington State went legal, God, back in 2013. And then, you know, obviously lottery winners started, you know, figuring out that they were winners in 2014. So, you know, back back in 2014, I was stay at home mom with raising five kids and we had a hobby farm with goats. So a mother of five, stay at home mom, raising goats. How do you get, <laughs> how do you get into cannabis? So my husband and I, you know, chased the American dream. He had worked his hiney off. I had worked my hiney off. Now, you know, we've, we've blended our family. I'm staying home. I'm raising goats. And we sit down with our financial advisor after years of savings. And we sit down and they go, okay, well, just keep doing what you're doing for at least another 15 years and you'll be good. You'll be ready to retire. And I'm like, this is completely absurd. We did something wrong. And they're like, nope, just keep keep doing what you're doing. And so we had heard through the grapevine that cannabis was a thing. It was legal. And neither my husband or I were users or even were that aware of the industry, but we saw an opportunity. And Washington State at the time, only Washington investors could participate in the Washington market. And so it really pigeonholed these lottery winners into situations where if they didn't have the capital to kind of open their dispensaries and get the inventory and the security and and everything that was necessary, they had the potential of losing their license. And a lot of them were starting to receive these notices of, you know, you have 90 days or you need to let us know that we need to give the lottery to somebody else. (laughs) And so God bless Craigslist. (laughs) (laughs) I actually was scanning Craigslist and I found uh, my partner and he was looking for a capital investor and I was looking for a dispensary license holder and there you go. Oh my gosh. That is crazy. I, I know who but, invests on Craigslist, right? Especially now. I mean, those, those licenses today would, they're so valuable, but right. But back then yeah. sort of, was this going to last? Yeah. So, yeah. all right. So keep going. So you, you, you make it, you're an investor, but you, you transition from an investor pretty quickly. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So we opened our doors and just our sales numbers were lackluster. We had hired a business manager and they they were great with business, but not necessarily with, you know, cannabis. It's a different monkey. And so partner called me and he was like, look, you know, I I know cannabis, but there's all this strategy and, and business stuff in it that I don't necessarily get. 
And so I was like, well, I'll handle that. (laughs) You handle the day to day and, and let's just get through this. And it, you know, really, again, I'm, I'm a soccer mom. I've got goats. I'm, I live in a super conservative area and I was closeted. Like no one knew I was involved in cannabis at all. It was top, it was top secret. And so I told him, I'm like, I just, I don't want my name on anything though. I, I will do these meetings. I will handle that stuff, but uh, you know, I want to be completely behind the scenes. And, but really, you know, it, it was the situation of, do I lose this very hard earned money that we put in or do I stabilize the investment? And so step in and <laughs> <laughs> you did more than turn it around because your dispensaries are, are one of the best or one of the, the most successful yes, in uh- Washington. We are very lucky. Uh, we have been consistently ranked on Leafly's top 20 dispensaries and we've, we've got a great following. People are very happy with, with our stores and, and with the product that my partner is great at bringing in. And, and so we've, we've been very fortunate in that way. Yes. That's so great. So you're taking all this knowledge and all this experience in your doubling down in California. <laughs> well, when we looked at Washington, it, there was very limited enterprise opportunities in Washington. Washington, you still have to be I mean, a Washington resident in order to participate in Washington. And they have uh, limitations on license and they don't allow vertical integration. So it really ties your hands in a lot of ways. And so my attorney at the time when California decides it's going legal, she gave me a call and she goes, Nicole, you guys have got to come to California. You guys would kill it here. And I'm like, well, why is that? And it's just, you know, our, our number one motto that we've always had is protect the license. And so we understand the regulations very well. And we know that that is our opportunity, right? Like cannabis is still can be very precarious as we're seeing with companies like Sweetleaf and other operators that are getting violations now and they're getting raided because, you know, they're very specific laws. And as long as you operate in those laws, you can enjoy the protection and the opportunity that is cannabis. And so that's kind of always been our motto. So when California opened up, all the things that I had (laughs) called my lawyer to complain about of why can I only own so many dispensaries and why can I not vertically integrate? suddenly California took away those barriers barriers. exactly and said hey let's create an opportunity for enterprise let's create an opportunity to actually build a cannabis brand and so after a few phone calls with legal and finally went holy Hannah we really can build this monster that I've wanted to build for so long this is this opportunity. And instead of having very limited avenues for bringing on investors, California doesn't have (laughs) those restrictions of you have to live in Washington, or you have to live in California. It's now no, you know, as long as as long as there are accredited investors, bring them in. (laughs) So it's, it's very exciting. Let's take it step by step because this is okay. this is such an enormous project, and I don't want to, I don't want to cut any aspect of it short. But let's start off with the dispensaries. So, what's the, okay. the beginning the beginning game plan? We'll do each profit center on its own, but the beginning game plan for dispensaries. Ah, so dispensaries for me again, kind of coming into the cannabis industry from being away from it. I walked into my first dispensary, which was, you know, doing my research, trying to figure out how to set up ours. And I was greeted by lines. And I was greeted by lots of products, like hundreds of products, (laughs) and menu boards. And it was overwhelming. 
was so overwhelming. Just there's such a huge learning curve. There's so many things out there. And, and so by the time I make it up to the bud tender, I've got the long line behind me. I feel like I have to make a decision immediately. It's just this super pressured environment. And especially for someone who doesn't know anything about it, it's, it's crazy. And so I remember I was just like, I don't know what I want, but I want it to be strong. (laughs) (laughs) So I bought my first pre-roll joint for $30, which that was what the market, you know, that's what we were paying at that time because, you know, cannabis was flying off the shelves and we were selling out like in Canada. And so I walk out with this joint. It's the first cannabis I've had since I was like 19. And so my husband and I, you know, we, we enjoy our first joint and my husband hasn't smoked since the seventies. And so he inhales way more than what he should have. (laughs) And, And so now he's just flattened and I'm feeling the same way because holy Hannah, cannabis is different. Right. And so you have a lot of this potential audience out there that hasn't participated in the world of cannabis. And so to have that first time dispensary experience to be so overwhelming it's such a huge learning curve and then to have products that are just going to flatten you yeah. <laughs> is is not the best opportunity for us to present ourselves to potential cannabis market and so do your market studies and you look at the the space that is california you can identify that there are six million cannabis consumers in the state of california and then there they've estimated about 9.8 million potential customers for cannabis in California alone. And these are people that are saying, hey, in the near future, I'm going to try cannabis. Mm -hmm. And so when you look at a $7 billion market that's based on 6 million people and you have this 10 million people potential, you go, oh my gosh, I need to change the way we engage with them because that's the potential for way more than what we've anticipated so far. And so how do we make cannabis simple? So that's what we've really focused on with Saku Cannabis is let's make the user experience and the purchaser experience simple. And so what we're doing is we're redesigning the dispensary experience where we actually zone our stores based on your experience level. And so we've created a line called Curious. We've created a line called Adventurous, Passionate, and Relief. And so curious, obviously, are for people that are new to cannabis Mm -hmm. that would like to try it. And so these are low dosing or micro dosing products that are easy to consume and easy to understand. Then you have your adventurous, which is kind of like that next step up of people who have tried the (laughs) easier stuff. And now they're ready to take the next step. Passionate's pretty clear. These are for the connoisseurs, that 20% of the market that drives the 80% of the revenue. Those guys that know exactly what they want, but hey, they're all willing to learn about what the new thing is, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, super trendy stuff. And then relief is for people that come in with arthritis and they just want a topical or they want some CBD or they want a doggy treat for their puppies, oh, yeah. things like that. Yeah. That is so cool. And start off goal is 25 locations? 25 locations in California. <laughs> Over five years though. Okay. So. But that's, I mean, it's a big state. <laughs> it's a big state. It, yeah. It, it, it really is a big state. When you look at the population numbers, there are 25 million people in the state of California that are over 21. And so that, that, that's a lot of people. That's a lot of people is right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so, so yeah. So when you look at the possibility for retail stores, like 
2,000 or more potential retail stores in the state of California. Oh, yeah. You're a drop in the ocean. It's a, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, that's, that's, but you're doing it right, getting it, yeah. setting up. We so, hope to be a really big drop. It will be. It will be. If that, that model sounds like it's, a, like it's a sure thing. Let's jump to manufacturing. Okay. So manufacturing, again, developing products within those same four categories of the curious, adventurous, passionate, and relief. And in this instance, we have a manufacturer who's been in the gray market in California for about 20 years. So he's won the Emerald Cup and he's done a few things. And so we're, we're very excited to be bringing him on board. He's he's passionate about his craft and he's, he's definitely one of those 20 percenters yeah. <laughs> that is just passionate about what he does. And so he's going to be focused on concentrates and vape pens. So that'll be for that. And then we're also super lucky that our SVP of operations is Michael Della Piazza. He is a chef and a master chocolatier, and he's classically trained in France. So we're excited. Okay, last but not least, mm, interesting, yes. mer- merchandising. I very seldom hear anybody talking about merchandising. Tell us a little bit about what your plans are for merchandising. You know, and that is something where I feel like so many cannabis brands kind of miss it. You truly are building a brand, right? And if you, for me, I look at the trajectory of alcohol and how alcohol started small, but then eventually now they have just this huge cult following where people want to identify with the thing that they consume on a regular basis. It's such a part of their life that they want to wear that t-shirt. They want to wear that hat. They want to root for the NASCAR driver that (laughs) drives around in Miller Lite or Bud Light car. And so that is something where we take a look at the opportunity, not only to create stores and products that people identify with, but now they have that opportunity to kind of purchase those ancillary items so they can buy their bong or their papers or those types of things. But now they can also buy the hoodie or the wind jacket or a candle, notebooks, the things in our mind that just make the Saku cannabis lifestyle a little bit better. It just all ties the brand together. You Like you said, it rounds it out. So let's jump forward. An enormous project. So how do you fund this? Yeah. So that is something that we are <laughs> just got started on. We are currently offering a $3 million investment for 10% equity stake in the company. Mm-hmm. And so with that initial $3 million helps us get our manufacturing facilities, kind of get the, the revenue wheel started, get, start yeah. getting the money generated. And then once we have revenue generation and we can start showing our products on shelves and we can start getting a few of the retail licenses secured, that's when we're hoping to go for a $10 million debt financing. I'm looking at your projections and they're just like, I mean, these are just, they're just so exciting, the opportunity. And I'm not, I mean, we're not going to, we don't have time to dig into them, but I, but for investors that, that are interested in this, the potential here is just off the charts, just off the charts. If you saw, when you look at the pitch deck, it's, 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 it's very impressive. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, Gross revenue, I believe is projected at 229 million per year. And a lot, a lot of that makes it to the bottom line. I can just tell, I tell just by looking at your numbers. So 
If an, if an investor, somebody's listening right now, how do they participate? Well, there's two different opportunities to kind of reach out to us. Obviously, our website is up. We do have an investor page and accredited investors can click on the link and give us their information and we'll start sending them materials or people could reach out to me directly. Okay. Well, we've been speaking to Nicole Connor, CEO of Saku Cannabis, and we'll have all of their information on the MJ Bulls website. Nicole, Super exciting stuff. I can't. You're going to be back on this show, I hope. Dan, it was such a pleasure. Thank you so much for having us on. We really, really appreciate your time. Well, thank you. And good luck. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, my name is Kira Reed, and I'd like to invite you to be inspired by the women who are leading in the cannabis industry. Each week, we will discuss empowerment, leadership, and what it means to be a woman in charge in marijuana, hemp, and CBD. As the founder of the Women Empowered in Cannabis community, I have had the great pleasure to get to know many brilliant and talented women who are CEOs, executives, politicians, advocates, and community leaders that are focused on creating a cannabis economy that is just, fair, and equal. We'll learn how these women make decisions, how they navigate a predominantly male industry, and what they're doing to level the playing field for women. I hope you'll join us.